Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 405. The cruise industry is busy. I mean, we talk about Royal Caribbean a lot on here, obviously, but there's a big, beautiful world out there of cruising. And today, we're going to talk about what's happening in the world of cruising these days outside of Royal Caribbean. Here we go. You know, there's always a lot of stuff happening in the cruise industry, and obviously this podcast, we mostly focus on what's happening with Royal Caribbean, but, and by mostly, I mean only, but uh, this week I thought it might be a good opportunity to take a wider look at what's happening in the cruise industry, because there's been a lot happening, and I'm not just talking about what's happening with the CDC and, and opening things up here in the U.S. The cruise industry has been moving and shaking and doing a lot of things, despite a substantial shutdown and a lot of things happening here. And to help me break things down is my very good friend, Ashley Kashulik from uh, cruise.blog. Ashley, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Happy to be here. Absolutely. And it's just, uh, I think this has been the mantra throughout the entire shutdown is I can't believe how much news there is, despite there not being many, if at all, cruise ships sailing. Right. Yep. There's, it seems like there's always something happening and it, it hasn't all been good news, but there's been a surprising amount of good news, which is helpful right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's kind of interesting that, you know, the industry continues to move forward. I mean, there's been a lot of cutbacks, right? We've seen ships being sold, scrapped, billion dollar losses, but the industry still moves forward. It's, it's kind of like a team. I'll give you, uh, Ashley, I know that you're a sports fan, just like I am. If the, if your beloved flyers were not doing so hot they don't just stop playing right they continue playing because the idea is that maybe next season they have a better year right and and i feel like that the cruise lines are kind of doing that the same way it's like this is their down year plus but they got to keep planning for the future regardless yeah and they've been doing a good job i mean no one expected this or that it would go on this long and they've really pivoted in a way that has i mean they're, they're massively in debt right now, but you know, that's, that's part of, of business, right? You, nope. you do what you have to do to stay afloat. Pardon the terrible pun. <laughs> Gosh. Um, he'll say how many bad cruise puns we can work into this, uh, episode. <laughs> so, uh, let's talk about something that's always interesting. Uh, and, and it gets everybody excited. New cruise ships, because I, I don't care if it's a sh- if it's a, you know, industry shutdown or not that always captures a lot of attention. And it can be a little surprising, actually, to some folks that new cruise ships are still being built despite everything going on. But in a lot of these cases, and I, and I think the ones we're talking about today, especially, these orders were placed well before the uh, before coronavirus and all that. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I think when ships resume, um, they're going to be at reduced capacity. And who knows how long that'll go on. So it's great to hear that there are still new ships coming out because that'll offer even more, um, you know, cabins for people to book, especially if the reduced capacity thing kind of carries on. But some of these new vessels that are coming out are really impressive. I mean, there's just, we're talking roller coasters and Marvel dining with Captain America and all kinds of fun stuff. Absolutely. Let's start, let's start off with uh, the Carnival Mardi Gras. There's really three ships I wanted to talk about today. Carnival Mardi Gras is one of these. Now, Carnival Mardi Gras is built and it's uh, ready to sail, although obviously it's not sailing. And this is uh, Carnival's large, I believe it's their largest cruise ship to date, right? Yes. And it's it's sort of a throwback in the sense that it's named after the line's original ship, which was Mardi Gras. Hmm. Um, I like that. It, yeah, it's, it's a nice a nice nod to that sort of uh, old school cruise 
mentality. But um, yeah, they, they've got, I mean, the biggest thing that everyone's been talking about for years is the Bolt roller coaster that's going to go around the top decks. Um, I'm a huge roller coaster fan, so I can't, <laughs> I can't wait to try that out. Um, and they've got a sort of interesting entertainment setup too, with, uh, it, instead of facing the front or the back of the ship, like most theaters tend to do, so mm-hmm. I think they're usually toward the back. Um, this one will face the side and it's got like big windows and stuff that, um, I'm just, I'm, the renderings look really interesting, but I'm curious to see how it's going to work in practice. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, it, when you're talking about obviously big ships, and certainly you're always talking about big ships when you're talking about Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and Nor- and Norwegian primarily. There's always a lot of cool things that they throw on there, right? And yeah. I feel like Carnival's new ships, like I don't know what their classes are, but like whatever, like the Horizon and the Vista, like I feel like those have really like moved Carnival away from what I affectionately call the purple carpet uh, ships. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yes. They've- the, the Joe Farkas, they, but I, I'm actually a huge fan of Joe Farkas. I love really like loud, bright, fun colors. And I know that's, you know, that's not everyone's cup of tea. It can <laughs> feel a bit like you're in Vegas or something, but um, yeah, they have definitely moved to a more, um, I guess, timeless sort of decor design with, with <laughs> some more um, muted neutral colors. <laughs> <laughs> so you like you you like the old the old carnival design. If if you had your choice, they'd still be the fantasy class plus. Well, the decor, yes. the The onboard amenities, no. I definitely prefer the more modern, larger ships that have lots of stuff to do. Just because I'm one of those people who likes to constantly be going and doing something. Sure. Um, that's I guess I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but that's my way of relaxing on a cruise is to just go do all the things. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, we're talking about real Caribbean, <laughs> so this is not uh, much of a stretch to hear that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Let's move over to uh, something actually just got announced uh, last week, in fact, and that is Disney Cruise Line's new ship, the Disney Wish. And this was uh, this was really interesting. You know, Disney is when I I believe when they first announced these new ships, like if you look, they they announced very few details about it, but it did not seem like it was going to be that much of a difference in terms of size or or structurally anyway from right. the existing fantasy class and yeah. um i i think that while that may still be the case here it seems like with the new disney wish they're trying to at least uh bring in some really new concepts on in terms of the onboard experience yeah and and the thing about disney that i find interesting is you know i i don't have children and i've cruised with disney twice and had the best time um, they just, they do everything really well there. There's no detail that they haven't thought of. The service is amazing. Um, and although a lot of the things on Disney wish are like the, the new exciting things are going to be very family centric or focused on, on kids in terms of the kids club. I, I mean, obviously nobody's sailed on the ship yet, so I can't say for certain, but I, I am leaning very heavily toward this being another ship that is great for adults, even if they don't have children, um, but some of the stuff they are introducing, uh, there's going to be an aqua mouse water slide, which, um, if you know anything about Disney on some of their other ships, they have the aqua duck and the aqua dunk. And so this, I guess, is just sort of an expansion of those. Um, but it's going to have like, a, I guess, an animated component. So you'll go through this water slide. It's a two, a two person raft from what I understand. 
Um, and it'll sort of tell you a, a story or it like introduce you to some new characters. Um, it'll be a bit interactive. There's also a Toy Story themed water park for little kids. Um, some new adult lounge spaces and the stuff that, you know, everybody just really associates with Disney. Um, in the kids club, there's going to be the, I believe it's the uh, Avengers Academy um, and a couple of new restaurants, one of which is going to be themed around Arendelle, which is where Anna and Elsa are from in the movie Frozen. <laughs> so sounds like just a lot of fun new stuff going on. I, I think the one the one thing I really caught my eye was the Aquamouse. And, and it seems like, this is Disney's words here, it's a true Disney attraction, um, which to me uh, sounds like, you know, this is like, like a Disney World ride kind of idea that yep. according to Disney, it combines a water slide with storytelling. And I wonder, you know, a water slide, you go pretty quick. Um, like I've, you've been down plenty of cruise ship water slides, right? And yeah. I've been through the ones that have like the, the, the clear uh, tunnel or what have you, like the, the structures yeah, and the idea is that like, over the water. <laughs> right. And they're always like, Oh yeah, you can look outside and see everything. I don't know about you, Ashley. Every time I'm ever on a water slide, I can't see a thing because all the water is either splashing in my face or my eyes are closed because yes. all the water <laughs> exactly. is splashing in my face. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know this- if this is like, like splash mountain where it's like, you know, a splash mountain is like, it's kind of slow and like, you're just kind of meandering. And then all of a sudden, woo, like, is it maybe one of those? Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I don't, it seems like it, well, I think I read it'll take about two minutes to completely okay. go through it, which is a little longer than most, I think. So it, it could be more of like a lazy river type concept. I'm not totally sure, but either way I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then of course there's the obligatory Matt needs to mention that, you know, it'll take a new mortgage in order to afford a Disney cruise, but <laughs> But you know, I we're we're not here to 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 throw rocks in glass windows. We're just here to you know talk about what it is. Anyway, it's a new ship, uh, and it's something that I think uh, obviously it, give Disney credit where credit is due. When they design their ships, they always put these kind of features in there that are, I mean, from start to finish. I mean, they've they've really looked at opportunities to revamp every single public venue they've got on there, and I think that's noteworthy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, and then uh, let's also talk about the Celebrity Beyond, the next Edge class, right? Am, am, I, am I calling that correctly? Yep, it's the third ship in the Edge class. The first obviously being Edge, the second being Apex, which um, I believe debuted, uh, although it hasn't done any revenue sailings, obviously, but it debuted um, during the whole quarantine situation. I think it was, it was delivered to the cruise line. Um, and now it's just kind of waiting on next steps. Um, and Beyond is it's in the same class um from what i understand it's going to have a lot of the same features including eden which uh, i've sailed on edge twice and it's eden to me is just the real standout of the ship in terms of dining entertainment i mean not to say that it has necessarily the best or the most robust dining but in terms of a space that encompasses a lot of different uses that would be eden um and then the nighttime show is really spectacular it's a little it's a little odd. It's it's probably different than anything you've seen before, but um, a lot of acrobatics and just really cool visual stuff. Um, and of course, we've got the infinite verandas, which some people love, some people don't. Um, it's Do you, a, a balcony cabin concept where there's not a traditional balcony. 
um, the balcony, it's sort of more of a, a French balcony, I guess, where it's part of your room and you can seal it off with a set of doors. And then there's a window that you can move up and down, sort of like a giant car window um, to give yourself that access to some fresh air. What's your thoughts on, are you a lover or a hater of these infinite verandas? Um, I actually really liked them when I sailed in them or um, sailed, you know, on the ship in those cabins. Right. I had some issues with, instead of curtains, they have uh, like, a, it's sort of a, I don't know what you'd call it, a, a shade, a window shade that you control with a light switch on the wall. And ours kept getting stuck. So it would be like on a diagonal, one side would go down and the other side would not budge. And so it just, I appreciate the uh, desire to implement these technical uh, technological advancements, but I think sometimes there are kinks to be worked out. So hopefully because this is the third ship in the class, they've kind of taken some of that into consideration and made a few tweaks. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing that stands out about celebrity beyond is this seems like, because of course celebrity cruises is part of the Royal Caribbean group brand. Um, I, I believe this is the largest implementation of a ship within a ship concept among the brands, because it's, if I'm reading this correctly, they've uh, actually, they're going to be doubling the amount of uh, sweet space um, for the, sh for the ship on the ship compared to uh, what they had on apex and, and edge. And that's kind of an interesting trend because a lot of people in, in, with, within Royal Caribbean have always wondered if they would go in that direction. Um, they yeah. kind of did that with spectrum of the season Asia, but Asia cruises are always kind of an oddball in the sense that they don't usually conform to what we see here in North America or Europe. Um, right. and with Odyssey, that wasn't the case. They did not go in that direction, but, um, the, you know, it, it's kind of interesting that they're going to be, uh, going, you know, putting more there. I mean, obviously there, there's clearly a demand in celebrities. I, I think with the one thing that really stands out to me with the whole edge class ships is that it seems to be taking the line in a, um, I guess different is the right word, but uh, I'm not sure it's applies, but like certainly a different direction than. Um, the, maybe the Solstice class had, which was more of, I felt like the Solstice class and Royal Caribbean were starting to converge a little bit. And then yeah. the edge seems to now take this into like a left turn and they're, and they're diverging again. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't, I think, um, when you look at Solstice class, you can draw a lot of parallels, um, even beyond Royal Caribbean, you know, the, the Royal Caribbean group family, I think. Um, for a while, it sort of felt like there were new ships coming out from all these different cruise lines, but it was really hard to sort of find anything new and exciting. And I think the Edge class has done that, um, even with stuff like the Magic Carpet, which is sort of this levitating platform that goes up and down the side of the ship. And it, it again, they, they, I feel like one of the themes of the Edge class is they take spaces and use them as multifunction. So I already mentioned Eden, but with the magic carpet, it serves as like a bar and um, restaurant, like tapas restaurant. Um, and it also serves as a, a launch platform for tender boats in ports where ships can't dock. So um, that's a pretty interesting concept as well. But yes, I agree with you that Edge really did kind of deviate from what we saw with previous ship designs. Yeah, so... Some new ships coming out there, something to keep an eye on. Some of them are, like we said, Mardi Gras already here, and some of these other ones will be coming out in the next uh, year or so. Uh, where should we go next? What's the other, what, where, where's, where other kind of cruise news, Ashley, do you think is really important to be uh, looking at these days? Um, I mean, the biggest one that jumps into my mind is just news about the restart. Um, everything from 
cruise lines deciding to base ships in other areas mm-hmm. away from the U.S. because the CDC is dragging its feet a little bit on the whole restart situation. Um, and then coupled with that, the protocols that are going to be implemented. I know we've we've talked about a lot of this on you know already on on previous episodes, but um, the big one for me is vaccines. Just you know the, which lines are requiring them, and and that's sort of the the biggest news lately in my mind. Yeah, and and it's interesting because I know that Norwegian Cruise Line um, announced I, they announced that they were going to require the vaccine in order to get a restart. It was almost like Norwegian was calling the CDC's bluff, like. Here, here's a plan. There's no possible way that anybody can say that this is not the like the safest possible approach in which they were proposing to be able to restart cruises by July um, with the idea that every single person on board would have to be vaccinated, meaning that if you're not vaccinated, including kids, you wouldn't be allowed on the ship, which is a pretty significant statement, right? For Norwegian, yeah. is, you know, it's just as much a family cruise line as Royal Caribbean is. Um, and, and to go in that extent, they, they kind of, you know, said, listen, this is, this is, it, it, I guess this is a, this is the Eagles trying for the Hail Mary, right? Just like throw it downfield and see yeah. if someone catches it. These are all Philadelphia references for Ashley's benefits just to get. So, and then of course we heard uh, last week that the CDC is going to uh, theoretically open up cruises um, from the U S if they adhere to certain protocols, including 98% crew and 95% passengers fully vaccinated. So it sounds like that might actually happen. I mean, you know, they already have a plan in place and submitted a proposal that is submitted to the CDC. So do you, do you think Norwegian is going to actually carry through on that? Or is this a JKLOL situation? I guess it depends on how serious Norwegian is. I yeah. mean, I would think after more than a year of not sailing and, and not bringing in money, I, I think any cruise line would be willing to do whatever it has to in order to restart. And, it's easy to say, oh yeah, the lines will just go elsewhere and and restart cruises from Barbados or St. Martin or you know wherever else we've been seeing. Yep. But ultimately, their their bread and butter is here in the U.S. Right. Um, it's where the majority of passengers come from, and I do think, I I, I don't know exactly what percentage of cruise line um, passengers are in the drive to market, like people who live locally and can just drive to the port. But I think there is a lot of hesitation right now to travel in general. Um, and I think if people can cut out the pre-cruise flight from their plans, that could sort of help to nudge them toward being more comfortable to travel. And, um, you know, like I'm, I'm booked on a sailing out of St. Martin in June, but that's going to require me to fly to St. Martin. So um, I think it's important for cruise lines to get back into the U.S. And uh, I, I think Norwegian has been one of the lines that's taken this really seriously from the beginning. And when cruise lines started canceling their cruises for months out, I feel like Norwegian was always the one to push the furthest and say, you know what, we're not going to sit here and tell you that we're going to restart by the end of the month because we don't think we are. So I think they've been one of the most realistic in terms of a timeline. And um, just based on that, I think they'll follow through. You you say realistic, I say Debbie Downer, but you know, tomatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, nobody all- wants it to be pushed further than it has to be. But yeah. I think um, in order to really get it right and put all the safety measures in place that are, are going to be required, I think yeah. 
they were looking at it from the right frame of mind. So it's interesting because Norwegian also announced uh, that they're going to, this is all before the CDC changed their mind about some of these things, but they announced that they're going to be offering three ships restarting sailings outside of the U.S. You've got the Jade out of Athens. You've got Norwegian Joy out of Montego Bay, Jamaica, and the Gem out of Punta Cana, Dominican Republic. And, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned something about that you have a cruise booked out of uh, St. Martin um, on Celebrity. And, you know, it, one of the things I've always wondered is, let's assume for a second that cruises do restart from the U.S., whether it is uh, July or August. Let's just let's assume it's in that time frame, right? You know, does the bottom fall out of these other ships that are sailing out there? Because I'll be the first to admit, I booked cruises on Adventure of the Seas out of Nassau and Grandeur of the Seas out of Barbados for one reason, one reason only. They're actually going to sail because they're selling out of the, the because of the U.S. obviously is shut down. But right. if if they do, if these cruise lines do restart out of the U.S., I mean, I live in Florida, so I am totally spoiled by the fact that we have you know cruise ships abound and I can drive you know one to three hours and find a, a ton of choices there. Um, but on the other hand, you know you you live in the Northeast and flying is part of the cruise experience for you for, for the most part. Obviously, you have cruises out of you know the New York metro area, but Right. I would I would venture to say, Ashley, by by and large, you usually fly to Florida for your cruises. Yes. Yeah. Almost always. So does that matter to you? Like, I mean, you're getting on an airplane anyway. Does it matter if you're flying to Florida or or St. Martin or how do you how do you uh, perceive that? And more forget the industry. I mean, what would you think, Ashley, if you had the choice? You got this cruise. I know this cruise is in June, so this doesn't really apply. But let's say you had a cruise booked in August. And you already had it booked and you're going to go, and it's like really cool itinerary. You know, you're going to go to the Southern Caribbean or maybe something, something really cool. Who knows? You know, would you keep that? Would you rather go out of a cruise out of the U.S. instead if it was available? What What's kind of your thoughts on that? I would keep it. Um, but I'm, again, I'm only speaking from my personal perspective. I'm not super afraid to travel, but I know a lot of people who are. Um I'll be honest with you, and maybe I'm biased here. I am less afraid of getting on a cruise ship than I am of getting on a plane. <laughs> so, um, but that doesn't mean I won't. Uh, right. I, I will be fully vaccinated by the time this trip rolls around. I, I do wear my mask. Um, so I think, you know, if proper precautions are taken, the flight to me personally doesn't really matter. Um, I also am very excited about the itinerary. I think, um, you know, if you're someone who's booked a cruise for a particular itinerary, then I don't think that would, I don't think cruises resuming out of the U.S. would cause you to cancel a cruise you already have booked. Um, and the other thing to consider too is, yes, right now cruise lines and airlines have very flexible cancellation policies because of what's going on. But I have a feeling that will change very quickly as soon as they announce cruises will be resuming from the U.S. So there may not even be the option to cancel in favor of a cruise that leaves from close to home. Right. Once they restart. Um, one other thing about Norwegian, I want to talk about there's, there's a lot of stuff. I felt like we were recording before we recorded. We're like, I don't know if we're going to get a lot of time out of this. We're already <laughs> way past what I thought we'd be, which is great. Uh-oh. A lot of, a lot of stuff, <laughs> lots to talk about. Uh, Norwegian also posted, uh, again, we're recording this podcast. Who knows by the time this episode comes out, this all may have changed. But Norwegian on its website says that now guests are free to explore ports of call on their own, meaning be able to do shore excursions on their own as opposed mm-hmm. to being locked in, which, by the way, has been one of the major tenants of any cruise line that's restarted like in Europe or um, elsewhere. Um, yeah. But And Norwegian had originally adhered to that, but recently they changed their – on their website at ncl.com, guests are free to explore ports of call on their own according to protocols in each specific port and can purchase shore excursions as they wish. 
This is, uh, let me say something. I would love for Royal Caribbean to follow suit on this because this allows so many more options to be able to do. I'm not like one of these people who's like, I'd never booked through the cruise line. I don't have a, a strong opinion one way or the other. The issue is I've got cruises booked on Adventure of the Season in June. And I'm sure, Ashley, you've looked at your shore excursions on Celebrity. And yeah. what's available through the cruise line is extremely limited. Um, you know, Cozumel, we have 11 tours to choose from, which is really nothing um, in the grand scheme of what you can do in Cozumel. So uh, what are your thoughts on, on this change? Um, you know, if the cruise line's going to be requiring vaccinations, I think as we've seen with everything related to coronavirus, stuff changes daily. Yep. And I know, you know, you're talking about the cruises resuming in Europe, namely MSC, which is the line that really pioneered the bubble excursion where in order to go ashore in port, you have to book a ship-sponsored tour. Um, I think when they implemented that, it, it was it was back in summer of 2020 when they started sailing. I think it was August. That was long before the vaccine was available. So I think at that time, that move was necessary. But as we move toward a larger percentage of people being vaccinated, I think it's probably less of a necessity. So um, I agree with you. I'm I'm someone who doesn't even necessarily book a tour in port. Sometimes I just go ashore and walk around and explore on my own and get lost and yeah. find my way back. Um, so for someone like me, I think it's great that they're not requiring you to book an excursion, um, especially one through the line. Yeah. Let's just hope that that's, you know, uh, we've seen, you know, a, a steady approach to this and things change. So I hope that's one of them. And obviously for what it's worth, Norwegian obviously is part of the healthy sail panel with Royal Caribbean. And it wouldn't be that much of a leap of logic to assume that what one does, the other may follow. So we'll have to see on that. Um, I, I would welcome that strongly. Um, two other things I think we had on our list, Ashley, uh, what about, uh, the look back to celebrity for a second and the kind of their change there. You think that was kind of a, a big deal that they're lumping in or including more with their cruise fare, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's the lines were pulling out all the stops over the past year to try to get people to keep booking, even though the lines weren't sailing or ships weren't sailing. Um, and so there were a lot of promotions, a lot of add-ons, a lot of onboard credit offers and stuff like that, but they were all temporary. So what stands out to me is um, on, on almost all celebrity sailings now, even the lowest base fare includes Wi-Fi access and alcohol um, and gratuities, which is it's nice that it's already rolled in and you kind of have a better idea of what your overall cruise cost is going to be. Um, and it's permanent. It's not something that they're offering temporarily just to get people to book. So I think that's, that's a nice thing that we've seen come out of this. Um, of course I, I do have to say, and this is, was interesting to me too. I'm sailing on celebrity millennium out of St. Martin and that's a, it's a slightly older ship. Um, I booked a balcony cabin and I, I thought the pricing was, um, awfully high for a week long sailing. Mm -hmm. Um, and whatever, I don't care what it costs. I'm going, you know, that's, that's <laughs> just how eager I am to get back on board. But, um, I'm wondering if it's because they've rolled all those new add-ons into the fair, or if it's more a product of, Hey, the cruise line is really in debt because it hasn't sailed in more than a year. Uh, and when they do sail, it's only going to be a handful of ships at reduced capacity. So, you know, they have to find a way to kind of make up some of that revenue. So I'm not, I'm not really sure 
Um, if that's a theme we'll see going forward, where for a while the fares are going to be jacked up because they're trying to make up some of that lost ground, um, or if it's because of these add-ons that we're seeing. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the the should it be included or not? I've always said from day one, all, I, I would love for Royal Caribbean to include gratuities. I, I think that's it's just listen they should be included. Let's just make it included because they are basically included at, you know, in the sense that you're going to be paying them anyway. So let's, I'm all for that one. The issue, of course, as somebody who buys the internet package anyway, and usually buys the drink package anyway, I'm totally fine with including those, but I understand there's some people who don't buy those things and have no interest in it. Um, And, you know, it's, if it's included, I'm using the air quotes here that nobody can see, it's you're paying for it, right? I mean, it, it's part yeah. of the cost of the cruise. It's not like they're going to keep exactly the same price, um, you know. And, and Royal said that they're they're that they're not necessarily going down that same path. Um, but I think there's, like I said, I think if they included at least gratuities, I'd be all for that. I think it's just a good idea. Um, and, and they already do that in Australia. Royal Caribbean does that because of the cultural differences with tipping over there. So it just yeah. makes a lot more sense. But um, you know, it's. I guess the proof is in the pudding for celebrity. I mean, if that just makes it simpler. I mean, I appreciate an easier flat cost um, as much as anybody. That was actually one of the things that I always, always bugged me early on when I started cruising. Ashley was this idea of, um, you know, you get to the end of the cruise and you get that bill on your door and it's like, Oh God, please don't be, please don't be as bad as I think it possibly could be. So uh, anyway, we can reduce that. I'm, I'm in favor. Agreed. And I think, too, a lot of people talk about cruises being all-inclusive, and they really aren't. Unless you're on a a really high-end luxury line that includes everything, you are going to find a lot of extra stuff on board that you have to pay for. So I think, um, and and gratuities has always been a sore spot for me, not because I don't think the crew deserve it. I absolutely do. But the U.S. is one of the only countries that has this tipping culture where – you know, you, it, it's, it's always like an internal struggle for me, like what percentage is appropriate and, you know, do I tip at all in this situation? And I think, especially when you go abroad, it's a really hard practice to shake. Yeah. So I would love to see gratuities included in more things in general, not just cruising. So yep. for me, this is, this is great. Yep. And lastly, uh, I think we should talk about Virgin Voyages because they're just such a, obviously they're a new player in the game. And they've yep. got a new ship and they keep they it's funny that fun, not haha funny, but just more <laughs> amusing that, you know, they they were supposed to start right at the beginning of the shutdown. That never happens. They've never actually offered a cruise, but I think they're up to like four or five like official inaugural plans that have now changed. And now it looks like they're going out of the UK instead, kind of mirroring what, you know, other cruise lines are doing, including Royal Caribbean. We're, you know, offering cruises this summer from from England because uh, they're they're offering that option there. So I guess here's the question for you, Ashley. If if we had to bet your favorite Philadelphia Flyers Eric Lindros jersey that I'm sure you have, uh, would you bet that there will be at least one sailing from England on Scarlet Lady this summer? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I would say that's a good possibility. Um, yeah, and I, I know I know I mentioned this to you earlier, but I just I find it amusing because. Um, I, I worked in the UK cruise market briefly and the biggest thing that I noted over there 
cruising is not quite as popular in the UK as it is in the US. And the people who do sail over there tend to be an older demographic. It's So I guess what I'm saying is the UK is a few years behind the US. Um, I think the US has largely shaken that cruising is for old people stereotype. Um, and the UK hasn't quite gotten there yet. And I think one of the reasons why is because cruise lines are reluctant to put brand new ships in the UK and, and base them there long term because they're not going to make as much money. Um, and so I, I was actually at the shipyard when Scarlet Lady floated out and had a chance to interview Richard Branson. And one of the questions I had for him was, would Virgin, given Virgin's ties to the UK, Richard Branson's from the UK, um, would you consider basing a ship out of the UK? Because at the time, Scarlet Lady was not scheduled to home port there. And he said, ah, you know, it's something we might consider down the road, but right now that's not our plan. So I find it um, interesting that now Scarlet Lady will be based out of the UK, even if it's only temporarily. Um, I think it's a, it's an underserved market. And now suddenly they have all these options because there are other ships that have moved there as well um, for the meantime. Yep. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And, and I feel like Virgin among all cruise lines will say and do just about anything in order to get going. Like they were like one of the first to require vaccines. They were one of the first, I think, to also move their redeploy the ship back to the UK. Um, I, I just feel like their MO because they're obviously brand new because they want to well, gain market share, right? The, the, you know, not allowing kids on board. I feel like a lot of their stuff is just simply, they they are they are the epitome of throw it at the wall and see if it sticks and if yeah. it works great but it's almost like one of these things where like if they actually do sell I'm be like what did we say we are, we we're actually gonna do because I forgot already you know what I mean it's like they're just yeah. just yeah. anything whatever yeah yeah let's do it let's do it all well that's but that's very Richard Branson right like he's <laughs> he is just someone who's willing to take risks he's very energetic he um I just feel like that kind of is a reflection of, of his leadership there. Um, But I do feel, I do feel bad for the line because Scarlet Lady debuted just as everything was shutting down. So as you said, they haven't had a chance to, to sail yet. Um, I believe there was maybe one or two, uh, there were one or two press sailings initially. So there are small handful of people who've, who've been able to actually try out the vessel um, but Virgin in general interests me because they are essentially trying to be the anti-cruise. They don't want to be associated with, like, they don't call cruisers passengers. They call them sailors. Um, they don't have buffets on board. As you said, they're not going to be allowing kids. Um, there's all this really cool technological, like, fancy schmancy kind of stuff, like shake for champagne. So if you download their app on the ship, you can shake it and somebody will show up to bring you champagne while you're on board. Just quirky stuff like that. Can you, uh, can you see me rolling my eyes over here or is it just, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> because it's kind of my feeling too, but I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm so curious. Disney went down this pathway where they thought they were going to disrupt the cruise industry. And I think they've kind of come back to earth on that. I mean, kudos to them for trying. I'm not, I'm not saying that I, my, my bold prediction, Ashley, is given two factors, one, Richard Branson, and two, the fact that they've been so delayed in being able to actually, you know, make money, you know, sale. Mm-hmm. I believe, my bold prediction, that Branson will sell the line 
at the first available opportunity he has. I think this was an interesting, I think he, that's his style. He likes to, you know, Virgin Atlantic was a great example of this, the airline. He likes mm -hmm. to dip his toe in, see how it goes. But I, I think that he's, I, I think if he had the chance, I don't think anyone's buying a cruise line right now. I don't think there's much of a buyer's market right well, now. Well, <laughs> Bro Bro Caribbean Group did sell Azamara. That's so true. Uh, point taken. Point taken. I believe my bold prediction is I think they'll sell the line the first opportunity they get. That's an interesting take. I didn't even consider that, but you might be right. We'll see. Well, if I'm right, well, then we can celebrate this. If not, let's uh, never. We'll, we'll, no one needs to ever bring this up again. So. <laughs> Ashley, thanks for joining me here on the podcast. As always, uh, check out some of her work at uh, cruise.blog and uh, always a pleasure. And I hope that you don't lose your uh, Eric Lindros jersey in this bet. Me too. <laughs> thanks, Matt. All right. Time to answer some listener questions. This is the part of the episode where I dive into the Royal Caribbean blog podcast email inbox and see which emails we've got to answer today. If you'd like to email me your questions, you can always do so by emailing it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email comes to us from Norm. Right, say, Matt, if cruising resumes and ships are forced to start with reduced capacity, how do you think cruise lines will handle scenarios where a ship is currently booked over new maximum capacity? Say my cruise in August is currently at 80% booked and they can only sail at 30%. How will they determine who cancels Thanks. P.S. Love what you do for the cruising community and Disney. I've listened to all 1,000 plus episodes of WW Today. Norm, it's good to hear from you, buddy. And it's a great question. Thus far, the answer has been they won't. What? Yeah. Now, they've really just got around the problem by simply canceling and redeploying the ship, Norm. Thus far, and this isn't to say that this will be the case going forward, but thus far, it, when Royal Caribbean has had to restart a ship, whether whether it was Quantum of the Season Singapore, Adventure in Bahamas, Jewel out of Cyprus, etc. They have canceled all existing bookings and then redeployed the ship. That's been their MO, rather than saying we're going to take existing sailings and modify it. Now, Norm, this is really for cruises out of the US, right? Like the ones that are, they, they never existed beforehand or radically different. And, and I think your question is more aligned with what's going to happen, obviously, if and when the CDC allows cruise ships to restart from the U.S. sometime soon. And honestly, we don't know the answer. Royal Caribbean has not said so. And like I said, up till this point, they've just simply canceled all existing sailings, all existing bookings, I should say, and then restarted everything from scratch, if you will. Now, again, who knows what will happen if they'll continue that trend, if they'll do something else. But that's been their MO. So we don't know yet what to expect, quite frankly. So it's a good question, but... Yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you there, Norm. Thanks for the email, and I appreciate everything. Next question is from Scott. We are fans of your blog and YouTube video chats. Thank you. I have two questions. We're scheduled to sail on Anthem of the Seas late September out of Southampton. Not that it matters. I know that Anthem was scheduled for refurbishment, but have you heard any more about that? Yes, Anthem of the Seas actually underwent a refurbishment recently. No upgrades, though. Just like because of everything going on, or lack thereof, I should say. Uh, Royal Caribbean is not like upgrading ships, like adding water slides or new restaurants. They're simply bringing ships in as scheduled, as you alluded to, for maintenance work. It's like bringing your car in for an oil change, under the hood type work. So it went in not to worry because they needed to do that in order to maintain seaworthiness more than anything. So that, that still occurred. Scott also says, finally, we have a couple of new cruisers joining us on this voyage. The other night we met and I told him that 
heating elements like curling irons are not permitted on board. Well, one of the ladies went nuts and could not believe it. In your experience, have you ever heard what ladies use to take their curling needs? Thanks for all insightful information. I know that you can bring like, um, for, and thanks to Scott for the email. I can tell you from experience, my wife always, and, and there's no problem to bring a flat iron for your hair and curling irons are fine. The issue that I think you're running into more so are bigger appliances like that, but bring your own straightener, curling iron and blow dryer, not a problem at all. In fact, uh, in fact, curling irons and hair straighteners are actually listed on Royal Caribbean's website on their prohibited items list as exceptions to those kind of things. The issue is when you're bringing travel steamers and hot plates, coffee makers, those things, clothing irons, that's the big one. That was, I was trying to think of as I was answering this question. You can't bring those. But curling irons, hair straighteners, your blow dryer, no problem at all. So your friend can back off from the ledge. There's no problem there. Hope you're hope that makes the, everything a little bit easier. Thanks for the email, Scott. Our next email comes to us from uh, Natalie, who writes, Hi, Matt. Big fan of you and Royal Caribbean. My husband and I are booked on Harmony of the Seas the week before your blog cruise. We can't hardly wait. Here's my question. It's been rumored that Royal Caribbean will be operating at reduced capacity when cruising resumes. If this is true, how will they decide who gets to keep their standing reservations, who will not? Is it based on loyalty? How early will be booked? Serum category, a lottery, or something else? I'm getting nervous that we may be kicked off our reservation. Natalie, thanks for the email. And you heard, obviously, the question I just answered a little while ago here on this episode. But um, again, they haven't said anything. And there will be at least reduced capacity. I wanted to answer this email, even though we just answered this email, but about the reduced capacity thing. Um, there will be some element of reduced capacity, meaning they won't sell the entire ship. Now, Royal Caribbean has said that this will be on a sliding scale, meaning, you know, as cruises begin, they'll be, uh, as an example for my cruise in June on Adventure of the Seas, I believe the number is somewhere around 50 to 60% uh, occupancy. And as things move forward and as, you know, there's no issues, they'll increase that capacity on some sort of a scale that we're not privy to. Now, how that relates to cruises out of the U.S., I expect something similar in Adelaide. But again, we simply don't know. Royal Caribbean hasn't said anything We'll have to wait and see on that. So I wanted to address at least the occupancy things. We didn't talk about that in the other emails. So Natalie, thank you for that email. And one last email, and that is from Peter. Howdy, Matt. Long time, second time. Our family is booked on Adventure of the Seas over Thanksgiving 2021, selling out of Galveston. We're excited because number one, our first cruise post-shut post shut down. And number two, we, we moved from Iowa to the Dallas area last summer, and we're super pumped to finally be within driving distance of a cruise port. But... Will Adventure's new assignment in NASA impact fall reservations like mine? The CDC has a whole mess of hoops to jump through before ships can sail. They're understandable hoops, but they probably will take some time to get through. Thanks for your thoughts and all your work on the podcast. Peter, thanks for the email. And the answer to your question is, well, obviously, I think by when you... Peter wrote this email not too long, a couple weeks ago. And obviously, a lot has changed already since then, right? I mean, number one, let's put it this way, Peter. If nothing changed, if... The CDC, if we get to, uh, let's say, September or so, let's call it September, and no cruises have resumed from the U.S., it looks like, you know, nothing's really changed. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. You know, I, I would, there's a good chance, Peter, Royal Caribbean may decide to do what they did in Singapore, which is simply say, well, rather than hope for a cruise out of Galveston, we'll continue offering cruises out of Nassau. And that's a safer bet, not as much money, but at least that's something to do, right? Um, I, I honestly think though, Peter, two things are, are, are in play. Number one, call me optimistic, because I usually am. I, I think some of the changes we've seen with the CDC since you wrote this email, Peter, are in in the favor of your cruise actually happening. So that that's number one. Number two, even if you uh, assume the worst with the CDC, 
the conditional sale order expires uh, at the beginning of November. So theoretically, your cruise wouldn't be affected by that. Obviously, Peter, I don't know any more than you do, but there's you have a lot of runway before you start running into that potential situation. Certainly, it's possible. Again, Quantum of the Seas is an example of that because in Singapore, Quantum was only supposed to be there for a couple months. And then obviously, as the shutdown continued and the CDC and Canada didn't relent on their bans, Royal Caribbean said, you know what, we're going to keep the ship in Singapore instead of redeploying it or hopefully redeploying it to the United States for a cruise to Alaska, right? That's a great example of that. So all of this kind of comes into play and, uh, you know, th that's a possibility, but that's a very different situation that we're looking at right now. There's a lot of optimism. Uh, I, I don't want to be the guy who's going too far off the ledge like, hey, we're good now. Like, I'm not sure we're quite there yet, but a lot of positive news coming out of the CDC. And, and I think that would bode well for your cruise you got out of Galveston. So honestly, we just got to wait and see. No one really knows yet. It's too early to tell if your particular sailing will be affected or or not. But like I said, if we get in, as we get into the fall and as we get into the right, <laughs> probably right around your final payment date, I would imagine you're going to have a better idea of what to expect. Let's hope uh, that obviously this will not be an issue for you. You'll know the answer far sooner than that. But I just got to keep it real with everything that's going on there and kind of give you the lay of the land. So thank you, Peter, for the email. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you want to send me your email, please send it in. We've only got a couple more emails left in the inbox. So if you want to answer your question, and if you have a comment, maybe you read something at royalcaribbeanblog.com that got you thinking, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And uh, if you think I'm wrong, I also like hearing those thoughts as well. Um, but uh, so you can always send me your emails to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Also, emails in which you agree with me are also accepted. <laughs> this has been Matt from royalcaribbeanblog.com, and we'll talk again real soon.